Theorizing that podcast audiences wanted to listen to two grown men talk about time travel, Nate Bowden and Brian Martin started a show dedicated to Quantum Leap. Together, they explore NBC's revival of the franchise, starring Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett, and its connections to the original series. They also examine spin-offs, such as novels and comics, as well as some mirror images in the form of television shows and movies that share creative DNA with the adventures of Sam Beckett and Ben Song. And so Nate and Brian find themselves leaping from topic to topic, striving to make sense of it all, and hoping each time that their next episode will be the one that goes viral. Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and he risked everything when he stepped behind that microphone. It's Brian Martin. Putting it all on the line. Hi, everybody. Thought I'd try and bring some of the revival series into this. Uh, yeah, that's, been that's good. has been risked to everything when he stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator. And he like, did it for love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, you know, we haven't gotten any uh prologues in a long time on this show just the once this season i think right yeah i think it was it it was the deborah pratt intro and then nothing after that well you said that you watched live this week was it any different because i haven't seen one on peacock or what have you but are they doing something on nbc i don't know you'll have to tell me as we go through this week maybe the ending was totally different no 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 i meant the (laughs) intro like the no uh, no no it was it was just a previously on quantum leap okay it was just a bunch of of clips talking about the quantum chip yeah yeah i got one of those too yeah i don't think there was anything different there okay so it doesn't matter where you watch it is the moral of that story doesn't matter where you watch it it just matters that you are watching it folks Stream it, watch it live, whatever you got to do, and then write into NBC and tell them, look, I watch it streaming, I watch it on the television, live, (laughs) don't cancel my stories. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it gives me any extra credit, but I actually watched it twice this week. I was going to try to watch it twice, but when I came home last night, my normal Peacock viewing night, Every member of my family was still awake and watching The Daily Show, the Jon Stewart return of The Daily Well, that's fair. Yeah. I had watched it the night before. I watched Quantum Leap Live, and then I chased it with Jon Stewart's Daily Show. And then the rest of my family, including my five-year-old, were watching that when I got home last night. Ooh, you're (laughs) fine. Look, my five-year-old, one of his first words was John Oliver. So, I mean, he's been kind of weaned on all this stuff. But yeah, I did. I had to tune in twice. So here's my process most often is I will watch it Wednesday night and Thursday before we jump on here, I will start jotting down some notes, whatever has coalesced in my mind that must have stood out enough that I want to talk about it. That's dicey. Give me a day and I'll probably forget everything. Well, that's the thing. I had to watch twice this week because nothing really stuck the first go round. Huh. Okay. I don't know. It just it it, it all just kind of glazed over for whatever reason. I guess let's just go ahead and get into this. Where did God, fate, or time leave Ben this week? So this episode is titled "The Outsider," and uh, I'm not sure why it's called "The Outsider." Do you know why it's called "The Outsider"? 
trying to equate it to the 2026 storyline, but I don't think it okay. works there either. I'm a little bit fuzzy on There's no why. vampires if I'm... <laughs> no, no. There's no creatures living in caves. You remember that HBO show, The Outsider? Uh, no. Had Ben Mendelsohn on it? Wasn't that also a Batman team, The Outsiders? Oh, The Outsiders, definitely a Batman team. Yeah. Yeah. I think Metamorpho was in there. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some Metamorpho. Anyway, The Outsider. <laughs> this episode has a story by Rami Park and a teleplay by Rami Park and Margarita Matthews. Now, Margarita wow, Matthews, of course, her. writer of A Kind of Magic earlier this season and Judgment Day from season one. Before we started recording, I said I was doing some last-minute research. I was trying to find out who Rami Park was. Rami Park, first, is lovely. She's quite fetching. And two, is a former journalist at ABC News and the Associated Press. No kidding. So that, suddenly a lot clicks into place. <laughs> when I see that, I'm like, oh. So we have an episode about a journalist. And I wonder where this episode came from. Was this originally yeah. conceived as a Quantum Leap episode, or was this co-opted into a Quantum Leap episode? I'm well, curious. It raises a question for me, something I wanted to talk about near the end here, but is definitely spun in a new perspective now that I know the scriptwriter's actual journalist. Okay, wow, yeah. that's, hmm. It honestly surprises me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and the big thing. This week's episode directed by the queen, Deborah Pratt. Yeah. That's true. Back again to direct her second episode of New Quantum Leap after Family Style in season one. And again, it does kind of feel like a, an old series episode. A Absolutely little bit. Absolutely it does. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to take this opportunity to express my admiration. So, the year is 1982. Ben has leaped into Brian, how about that, Conway who is a news producer living in Colorado and working with Connie Davis, who is a reporter who, by her own admission, is, quote, not who I was in New York. So you find out pretty quickly that there are some skeletons in Connie's closet. Together, Brian and Connie work to report on hard-hitting stories about things like pumpkin farming. <laughs> <laughs> That is until a mysterious lead sends Ben digging into a story that could save thousands of people and put Connie's career back on track. Meanwhile, Project Quantum Leap is thrown into chaos as Gideon Ridge, yes, <laughs> our favorite douchey tech bro, reveals Ian's secret and forces magic to make the sort of tough decisions that, I mean, honestly, managers simply have to make sometimes. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, we can't all work with our family. I mean, if this is considered drama, then my life has been exceedingly dramatic. My life as a manager, anyway. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes you just got to let people go, you know? And that's the thing that magic has to wrestle with this week. So, what did you think? Well, I mean, I guess I kind of gave little of a little away. It really did not make an impact at okay. first viewing. It feels right in the middle. We didn't do much this week, with the exception of the big story that everybody wants to talk about. Which one? <laughs> you know, the <laughs> pending dismissal of a couple of cast members. 
Sure. And the 2026 story. Yes. Outside of that, I didn't feel like a whole lot had gone on. Now, at the second viewing, I got a little more of a theme out of the story. And I see what they were trying to say. It Very middle of the road for me. How about yourself? Okay. I think that's fair. I think I probably liked it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. One, because I think I liked a lot of the content in The Leap itself. Okay. And two, it felt a million times better than last week's episode. Oh, yeah. So that helped out a lot. But three, a lot of what happened in the 2026 storyline, I found to be fairly amusing on a meta level. And what I mean is in the premiere of this season, episode Mm -hmm. one of season two, this took too long. You get a really solid episode. Yeah. Ending on a cliffhanger that just blew you out of the water. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So much potential, so many questions. And then the next episode, as we've discussed multiple times this season, not just in our discussion of the second episode, squanders every bit of it. Yeah. Right back to status quo of sorts. Flip that around. Here we are at the end of the season, and last week we get a cliffhanger that is absolutely Dumb as shit, right? We we, we were like, this cliffhanger is not working. Dumb enough to just make you angry. (laughs) Yes. And legitimately angry about what they decided to do. I feel like our response to the cliffhanger last week was the same as our response to the payoff in episode two in 2026. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. They're kind of on the same level. I had to laugh because... Gideon Ridge, the villain who was hyped in the final moments of last week's episode, shows up and then leaves this week. Yeah. They literally get rid of him within 10 minutes. Yeah. The plot line surrounding the quantum chip is hastily resolved. And I'm sitting there the whole time. I'm thinking, did they listen to our last episode and then re-edit this? Because they did everything we asked. Get this story over with and get it out of here. And I was left thinking, one, I'm delighted by this. Two, (laughs) what was the point of all of this? That's the part that's frustrating, though. The part that's like, sure, why? What did did we gain from this? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, there was the moment that you pointed out it had been several weeks, like five weeks in a row where they didn't even mention it. They just kind of buried it. And then were we supposed to not care about this? Well, apparently not. Yeah, because that answers that question. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why feels like a real change in course, because I don't know why they hyped that up so much at the beginning. I mean, they had the shadowy character in the car, that woman that we thought was going to be the foil. Right. Through most of the season. Just that one episode. Like that was it. none of it matters. And absolutely none of it matters. Yeah. Even last week we were thinking, okay, but he's got to be somebody, right? Like, he's got to be connected to this overall story it's gotta somehow. Be something, but no, he's just a guy. It, it appears not. Yeah, he's just a guy. Now we did get a little bit more of an understanding in terms of why this guy might have been able to just waltz into yes, Project Quantum Leap. That uh, and, is and I true. did appreciate that. This is a guy who's got a lot of contracts with the U.S. government through mm-hmm. the Pentagon. He's a very well-connected person, and as far as overall importance. Yeah, he probably outranks everybody in the building. So that, at least, I was like, okay. This isn't just some Silicon Valley tech bro. 
Right. This is a guy with legitimate government contracts. Right. So, okay. A real Lex it. Luthor. An actual Lex Luthor character, who somehow falls in the middle of the road of Lex Luthor's as well. <laughs> I don't think that that's our fault, though. No. That is a poor setup to later tell you why he could go in and do all of those things. It's you know, a poor setup with a laughable payoff. To say nothing uh, of the fact that the way he's introduced playing with the perpetual oh, the motion Newton ball. Balls. The he's Newton got the balls. Newton balls and he's just like, like giggling over on. it. I, yeah, I, I made a note of that. I was like, uh, good God, just get this guy out of here quickly. Oh, we're doing that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> he's gone, huh? Okay, cool. Yeah, but it doesn't really do anything but kind of stir the pot where they are. And yeah. the writers just kind of tease us instead. Gives us the opportunity of something we've been really looking for since the beginning of the show. And they tease us with it and don't pay it off. <laughs> so Magic is brought into a meeting with Ian and Gideon and suddenly understands what Ian has done and kept from him for so long. Mm -hmm. Obviously feels very betrayed, out of the loop, as a manager would if two of his subordinates were going behind his back and really threatening to upend the entire project they were working for. Sure, yeah. But Gideon basically says that somebody's going to have to take the fall for this and one of my connections at the Pentagon is going to come to question you. And then he leaves. And Magic does the first sensible thing anyone in management has done this season, Since tells Ian, you're suspended. Yeah, sends them home. Yeah. Log out of every terminal and don't talk to anybody on your way out. Right. Yeah. Finally, okay, good. Accountability matters here. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Well, of course, the person from the Pentagon who comes to question Ian is none other than Tom Westfall. Which put Tom in another perspective, too. So when Tom comes out in that role, being asked to, as he put it, burn Quantum Leap to the ground which turned out to be a very empty threat, but... Right, he clearly doesn't want to do that. But, I feel like even as tough as Tom is in this episode or as standoffish as he comes across, the sincere part of Tom is like he wants what's best for everyone involved. He's not as angry as one would think he would be. Right. He approaches it as a friend. But the thing that really confused me is... All season long, I'd been operating under the assumption that Tom was in charge of Quantum Leap now. And I was like, what does magic even do there? Because Tom's in charge. Right. But this week, he was like an outside contact from the DOD. So... What does Tom even do? What here? does Tom do there? Maybe he doesn't actually work there. I think everybody at the project, aside from Addison and Ian, have very amorphous and not at all well-defined roles in this yeah. in this enterprise. Yeah, I don't know what Tom was supposed to be, but I guess he can leave, and yeah. Magic was the one that was in charge all along. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so instead of burning it to the ground, he apparently convinces... Ridge that the program is worth saving. Right. As long as Gideon gets his, quote, pound of flesh, which is a phrase that is used repeatedly by multiple characters during this episode, <laughs> which is one way to say firing someone. Right. Anyone. Right. It's like just somebody has to take the fall for it. Who's getting fired? 
it's really interesting because Ridge does not come across as threatening. Okay, well, you know, you guys can keep the chip. Just somebody got to get fired. See y'all. Yeah. That's it. I'm sitting there as the viewer and I'm thinking, multiple people should get fired. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) It's not just a matter of one person getting fired. At least two people I can think of should get fired. Should be done. Yeah, absolutely. In a real life scenario, certainly. But this is television and we've got key cast members. And it's a situation where Ian can say they have no regrets and declare that they're the only one who did the right thing. That was a good scene, though. It's a great scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's a great scene. And Ian's not wrong. That's the point there is, yeah, Ian did the right thing to help their friend and has no regrets about it. Yeah. And that's good. The impassioned part at the end was really fun to listen to. Yes. And kind yeah. of powerful when you really lay it against how everyone else reacted, including a fiance. We let... Addison off the hook you know three years is a long time but I think I pointed out earlier Ian never gave up you know when we were talking about Hannah having waited six years just for the chance of perhaps running into Ben again and I was giving Addison a hard time that episode I've backed off of that yeah (laughs) but yeah I mean that's kind of what I was driving at is everybody gave up everybody I don't know if this is a thing. Are there Ian Ben stands out there? (laughs) I don't know about that. Can we make that a thing? (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, Ian's no regrets. Feels like they did the right thing. And I feel like Ian would gladly take the fall for this. Sadly, nobody will let them take the fall for it because Ian's just too valuable. Again, going back to what we said a couple minutes ago, Ian's one of the only people on the team that has a clearly defined role. (laughs) Yes. In this workplace and is a valued member of the team. Well, this is another scenario where you have to frame it for television. And the truth is, if such a place existed, there would be numerous people (laughs) that could do the things that Ian does. Right. Ian would have a team. They'd have their own staff, first of all. And even if that weren't the case, there'd be people in Washington that are ready to just step in here and do this. Like, what about all the people that discovered the DARPA project? Apparently, people came across that. They have to be well-versed in this subject as well. One would Right, they have to know what they were looking at. Yeah, so there are other people in reality that could have done this. But for television purposes, they're the only cast member (laughs) that they'd have to keep around. So, and, yeah. I mean, again, nobody wants to see Mason Alexander Park leave the cast of Quantum. No, I don't think so either. Nobody wants to see that. So, However, course, there is someone else that's that we... That's a <laughs> There is someone else we wouldn't mind seeing. Yeah, and this is the other, to me, fan service moment for us in this episode when Magic finally confronts Jen about her role in all of this. Yeah. And... You're led to believe for a second, even though I have to believe neither one of us at any point in this thought it was going to be anybody other than Magic to take the fall. I was hoping that it would be Jen. Right. No, I I honestly thought that maybe there was a chance Jen was leaving the show. I didn't until Magic started talking to her like she was the one that was getting fired. Magic says to Tom at one point, you're asking me to fire Jen. And then... He confronts Jen, and Jen's like, oh my god, you're firing me? And I was like, yes, yes, do it, 
do it. That's funny. That's and funny then Magic because... is like, no, no, I'm going to step down. Magic is the pound of flesh in question. Yeah, he takes the fall. This... Which, to be fair, okay, I mean, he kind of deserves it too as a bad so, manager who sure. wasn't supervising his team closely. For sure. Really, the only one without fault is Addison. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, though, because when he started going on to Jen, that's when I knew, oh, he's not going to do it when he was winding up like a pitcher i was like oh this is going somewhere else at the beginning i thought well maybe they really are writing this character out because they don't know what to do with her she's been absolutely pointless all season long she hasn't contributed anything and i thought well maybe they actually are writing this character off and then as he started to give his speech i was like oh wait no this is a bait and switch Yeah. Well, I made the note, as soon as he said, you're asking me to fire Jen, I made a note. Seriously, though, of course, Magic is going to take the fall for this. Yeah. And then, yeah, a few scenes later, even though (laughs) when he starts talking to her, Gideon Ridge is letting Quantum Leap use the chip, provisionally dropping all charges. I said, oh, shit, Jen is getting fucking fired. Oh, God, maybe they're going to do it. Maybe they're going to do it. And then, uh, yeah, no. Magic resigns. Which means somebody else has to be in charge. They're going to bring somebody else in that's in charge? I think what we've learned, Nate, is that no one has to be in charge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we never thought so to begin with, at least for the purposes of the television show. But Tom also seemingly leaves the show. Now, that's the question. Is Ernie Hudson done? Well, he's got that Ghostbusters money. I think we've mentioned the Ghostbusters money once or twice this season already, so I don't know, you know. I get the sense that he's done, and Tom as well. They both had farewell moments this I don't know what you. I don't know what you do with Tom anymore. No, yeah. Like, honestly, if yeah. Tom is not the significant other of Addison, I don't know what you do with him. Right. I feel like he's probably gone, too. It's a cast member shakeup, and not the one I wanted to see. Really? Oh, of course not. I don't want Ernie Hudson to leave. Yeah. I mean, even if it would just, like, come in and shoot all your scenes for the month in a day where you're basically just at your desk and somebody comes in and you give words of wisdom and that be it. You had a couple of really good scenes like that this season. Yeah. So, yeah. Why do you want to get rid of the legacy character? That's something I think is interesting because I feel that if... Magic is leaving and Ernie Hudson's done with the show. That will, to me, be this show finally turning its back on the original series. I think the odds of Scott Bakula ever returning on this show drop to about zero because I don't think this show is interested in it anymore. The only character that was pointing in that direction was Magic. And if Magic's gone, then all we've got is what's right now. Well, I'm going to have to go ahead and... uh sort of disagree with you there. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's another side to this, which is the online presence would flip their shit. They don't at least address the idea of getting Sam home. Anytime I do go on like a fan site or something of that nature, the conversation is always, but when are they going to get Sam and Ben home? Yeah. I think that if Scott Bakula came to them and was like, hey, I'm ready to do, they would jump at it. Oh, no question. I'm sure that would happen. I just don't know that it's going to. (laughs) It's not to say that they couldn't 
go without it. They're standing on their own two feet, and it, the story is not about Sam. It's felt like less of a priority to me all season. Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like something we're even remotely trying to work towards at this point. Right, but we're talking about a fan base that the overwhelming theory was that Sam would be the one walking out of the accelerator in, in the, the premiere episode of season two. <laughs> right. What? <laughs> like, where are you coming That's from? That's true. But Yeah, we're not dealing with the most rational group of people. They want what they want. So I don't think that door is ever completely shut. I don't think it's something anybody's working towards, though. Yeah. The big question that I'm left with from the 2026 storyline, and they, they just kind of wash over it, what was the only interesting thing you and I thought about the quantum chip storyline? What was the only interesting aspect we could think of for this? That there's a big evil businessman out there that wants to know something about time travel. Oh, yes. Yes. It seemed to have no interest whatsoever. And no, he doesn't give a shit. All he cares about is AI. <laughs> AI art. Tom kind of waves off the idea that he was able to convince Gideon Ridge that Quantum Leap is worth saving. How? He doesn't know what it is, right? Uh, Isn't that the... Theoretically, Gideon does not know what it is, right? Right, that was the whole thing. This is top secret. This place looks cool. Even... I mean, he had a secret spying chip to see what we do here. So did Tom just spill the beans on all of that? Who knows? Who's privy to this information? And I want to know what Tom said to convince Gideon Ridge that the program is worth saving if they're not allowed to disclose what the program is. Look, here's the thing we all understand about people like Gideon Ridge. They are all convinced they're smarter than the rest of us. And sure. <laughs> they will jump at literally any opportunity to prove it to people. Usually they don't prove it. Right. Right. But if you had a Zuckerberg or a Musk or any of those people that understood time travel was a real thing and that they had access to it, you cannot tell me any one of them wouldn't attempt to exploit it for their own benefit. That's what and I'm that's, driving at. Sort that's of. the thing. So either Gideon <laughs> knows what Quantum Leap is and does not act like we understand a person like him would act or somehow he's dumb as a post, which is again, kind of what I'm implying and doesn't understand what quantum leap is. But in that case, why would he ever agree to the terms that are laid out by Tom? And why would he even care about keeping this place running? The whole reason they shut down that ship was because Gideon was streaming information out of the project. And that, implies that they don't know anything right which we thought was a little strange given they designed a quantum chip that could work for such a thing but that notwithstanding they didn't know a whole lot about this program and the chip was giving them the information and what are they going to do with that information and did they get the information in you the kind, end and they you know, kind of get the impression or yeah you kind of get the impression he didn't care <laughs> like Here's what question. is the story? What is the story? Again, there's that cynical view of Raiders of the Lost Ark that's if Indy had just done nothing, none of this would have happened. Right? <laughs> right. If we had done nothing about the quantum chip, 
would any of this have happened? <laughs> you know? Because at the end of the day, he knows everything now anyhow. Yeah, what a big waste of time. That's, that's the best a, way to put it. Waste a of time. Big, colossal waste of time. It's presumably nothing, yeah. I really do feel like we're done with that story. I do too, yeah. I, and if it was all in service of getting Magic to leave the show, I don't know how to break this to you guys, but Magic had a substance abuse problem we found out about halfway through the season. He was already done. He could have left. Yeah. <laughs> he could have said, you know, I'm just not up to this right now. Does it feel like the story just kind of veered? You think halfway through, after they had filmed some of that stuff from the beginning, maybe we don't want to do this? But they have less of a reason for that this year. Season one happened, and it kind of zigzags all over the place. And we're like, what the hell was that all about? But it's because there were different showrunners that spearheaded the whole thing early on. And then they had that content to kind of shoehorn in and work around for the rest of the season. And that's why it feels like such a patchwork. But then this season shouldn't feel that way. And it almost doesn't. For the (laughs) most part, it doesn't. But everything in this episode, in the 26th storyline, really feels like getting us back to where we were at the end of season one. Yes. They're working backwards all of a sudden. The whole season they were building, building, building towards this new dynamic between our two main characters And now all of that is collapsing in on itself and returning to the status quo, seemingly. I guess we're going to be left with a will they or won't they situation with Ben and Mm -hmm. Addison, which in all fairness, maybe should have been the way it was at the beginning, but it wasn't. And now it just feels weird. Yeah. Feels very forced, especially because, again, we've seen both of these characters with people that suit them better. Right. Than one another. It took us a while to get warmed up to Tom because they wanted us to like him so bad. But from the jump, Hannah was a winner for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, know? absolutely. And what are you doing? It does raise a lot of questions for the finale. Yeah. We're just going to drop that, too? She's well, not Ben gonna... seems Ben seems to have accepted at this point that his fantasy about being with Hannah is just that it's a fantasy this obviously is not something that can work hannah was married there is absolutely no control over when and where i see hannah he tried desperately to save her husband twice now right he's tried to save her husband and that's a very interesting thing in this episode we could kind of veer into the leap now i think uh okay i think the leap in is very very cool on the phone with an informant that is threatening him. He has no idea what's going on, of course. Doesn't know who he is, what he's there to do yet. Sure. And he comes to understand very quickly that he is a news producer. I think they missed a golden opportunity. Basically, all we do to learn that this guy's a news producer is he looks down at his little badge, he looks at himself in the mirror. If all you're going to do is kind of look at your credentials to tell who you are anyway, you could have leaped in looked down at his credentials and seen press pass and then seen a telephone booth they could have put a little press hat on him oh yeah we could have done a superman parody a superman homage yeah Yeah, that would have been good he's a cub reporter and he's jumps into the telephone booth but missed opportunity in my book so connie is as i mentioned earlier covering some small stories about big pumpkins 
<laughs> but we do understand that Connie previously had a career in New York that ended in some sort of crisis. But Ben's whole motivation here early in the leap is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, so Connie, that's a pumpkin. Great. How is Hannah? Did Josh survive? This is the first thing on his mind. Because, of right. course, in the last week's episode, Ben wrote a letter in the 50s designed to arrive to Hannah in the year 1970 to warn her of her husband's own impending demise. Right. Addison reveals that it worked. She got the letter, which I'm kind of surprised by. Yeah, I really am surprised by that as well. I didn't it, think there was going to go anywhere. It worked, but Josh is still dead. He died a year or two later in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And this made me think of the original mission statement of Quantum Leap. Striving to put right what once went wrong. Well, what happens when a perceived wrong actually went right the first time. Yeah. Right? It will happen. Josh's death is inevitable. You can change how it happens, but you can't change that it happens. Right. And the the episode kind of just touches on this and then bails on it, and I think it was perfect the way they dealt with it. We're not drawing it out or anything, but there's this sense of inevitability, and we don't need to linger on it too long because I think right. we get the point. Right. Yeah, I agree. There's another way to look at this, though, if you're a little more optimistic. If Hannah's husband is meant to never be around, isn't that an open door? Isn't that an open opportunity? Exactly. To somehow get Ben and she together? Yeah. Like, granted, she's probably, what, like 20 years his senior at this point. Hey, she's been milfy for some time at this stage. But my point is, their point... <laughs> 12 years a milf. <laughs> here's the episode title <laughs> no but no i you could take that to mean that she wasn't meant to be with josh right so who was she meant to be with is it ben are they supposed to end up together in some strange way that's what makes it feel even weirder that ben and addison are having these connected yes. moments again like yes. we're not done with the hannah story yet all of us out here me and you and hopefully everyone listening and watching this show still feel like there's a chance. Ben's romance with Hannah is not over. It can't be over. It can't the way we saw it. Because and it clearly they, hasn't. The show is telling us it right. hasn't. You know, If that episode had ended differently without the little tease of Josh's death and it was just, okay, she's married, she's with a kid. That's different. And come back anytime. That's a goodbye, right? And Yeah. Yeah. That's much different. But we've heard her voice on a answering machine this week. And obviously still consuming Ben's thoughts. That story's not finished. We hear her voice on an answering machine, and she still identifies as Hannah Nally, which means she has not remarried. Right. She's still got Josh's last name. We can assume she has not remarried. Right. So what is that if not an opening? Yeah, and when Addison's willing to talk to him about it and she says, I can tell you're distracted, you still thinking about Josh, he doesn't go down that road. He just immediately veers to the topic that she's saying he's distracted from. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, so we're not going to engage on that. Okay. Yeah, so he does get distracted by Hannah and Josh a little bit, but 
as Ben starts to dig in and try to find out what's going on here. Who was that weird informant? Why has a masked man held him at gunpoint in a parking deck? And he and Addison's... <laughs> Why the shit doesn't Connie care? Right. In, like, small-town Colorado. Anyway. So Ben and Addison, there's a montage of them working together over the course of a night to piece things together. And it's one of my favorite parts of the whole episode. They just drink a lot of coffee. They get really, really hopped up on caffeine. Uh-huh. And are just bantering back and forth. Now, it's not quite as fun as the Ben and Hannah booby trap the house bit from off the cuff right. and watching the two of them play off each other. But it's some of the most fun Ben and Addison stuff we've seen so far. And one of the reasons it frustrates me is because I see stuff like that and I don't want them to get back together. These two seem to work so much better when they're not a romantic item, but, it's... but they have a history with each other. And to me, a lot of that felt like the seeds to the will they, won't they? I feel like they were enjoying their time together because they were remembering their time together. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. One of Addison's best scenes is when they're sitting there discussing one that she wanted to be a reporter. Uh-huh. Ben says, I never knew that about you. I'm still learning new things about you. You still surprise me after all these years. And she reveals the fact that she got engaged and then unengaged. And, oh, it's got nothing to do with you, Ben. Oh, I didn't think it would. Well, sure. You know, back and forth. And I'm like, really? What? Do they? Why do they want this? Right. None of us want it anymore. When they work so hard to make us not hate them apart. I don't know. It it was kind of frustrating, but Caitlin Bassett definitely had good moments in that conversation. She always does. And so does Raymond Lee. The two of them are well, sure, yeah. great performers. <laughs> yeah, no, they really are. But for my money, Caitlin Bassett, when she's talking about, I think a point that you brought up in a prior episode is that she's been very reactionary for the last three years of her life. Yes. Four years of her life. First, she had to react to becoming the hologram when she was supposed to be the Leaper. She had to react to the fact that he died. She had to react to the fact that he came back. She had to react to the fact that Tom wanted to marry her. She points out the fact that she hasn't been very proactive in her life in several years. And that was kind of a good moment, but it was also a coming together moment that I don't want. Yes. So... I feel like if it were framed differently to where they were really settling into a friendship, maybe, but maybe that's, that's, not, different. that's not the way it read. It No, it doesn't. It feels like we're just going down the road of, ah, uh, look at these two lovebirds again. Yeah. 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 Did you ever see La La Land? No, I didn't see it. With Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone? No, no. All right, here's spoilers for La La Land, guys. The movie ends with these two characters reconnecting, not directly, but indirectly with one another. They see each other and sort of have this sweeping vision of what their lives would have been like together. And it's soaring, there's triumph, there's tragedy, it's a wonderful experience, and then they come back to reality, look at each other, smile and nod from across the room and part ways. And mm -hmm. that's the energy I need from Ben and Addison right now. We have this deep connection, but we understand that our relationship has fundamentally changed at this point. Right. 
and it's not necessarily going to be like it was before. But it feels like we're walking straight back to what it was before. (laughs) Yeah, all of it. And it just rings inauthentic because real relationships, I don't think, do that. (laughs) Some of them might. I don't know. Hannah's still out there. That's the biggest thing. It's just so much more intriguing. Not only the chemistry that the two of those characters have, but the whole reason we watched The Time Traveler's Wife because of all the fun things that you can do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you think I did that? For fun? Well, I didn't see anybody (laughs) laughing. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean... You get what I'm driving at. Yeah. There's a whole mystery aspect to a romance across time. And they've done such a good job with it. And yeah. to undermine it in any way feels a little frustrating. Yeah, for sure. But this show makes up for all of this in one very substantial way for me. Oh? My favorite moment of the entire episode. So Ben and Addison discover that a company... I hate to tell you what my favorite moment was. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Was it when Jen said, oh, my God, am I fired? Because I thought that was what your favorite moment was going to be. Oh, no, that part just makes me super angry. So Ben and Addison discover that a company is creating an herbicide that is going to cause cancer in a lot of the users. In fact, the first person I thought of was the poor wife of the pumpkin farmer from the beginning of the episode who was being what interviewed and started What made you think that, Brian? I, I don't maybe her tuberculosis style <laughs> coughing <laughs> that Ben obviously took note of. Right. So that the rest of us would. So that's all pretty obvious. The right. two brothers, Chet and Robbie Barlow, develop Herbacore. That's their company. Later turns into Agri United becomes very huge in present day and they built part of their company on a weed killer that kills thousands of people. But after we discover this information, we go to commercial and I said in my notes, holy shit, this is great. We see a full length 1980s style commercial. Yeah, that was really good. For Herbacore with Chet and Robbie in it. It is awkward as the kids say, cringe. <laughs> but it <laughs> in is... In a great way. In a it's great way. great. It is yeah. so great. And it immediately feels super authentic, too. Yeah, if you're old enough to remember commercials from the 80s, they really nailed it. It was just a marvel. The Smuckers Brothers, you know? The... Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Bartles and James. We have selected a bottle for our new premium wine cooler, and we were about to print up a label when Ed called to my attention... The fact that we did not yet have a name for our product. Yeah. You remember those commercials? It was great. Uh, Absolutely terrific. But we get to the end of the commercial, and there is no question that Robbie Barlow is the snitch who called on the payphone at the beginning and was trying to lead Ben in the right direction here about his company and his brother who have covered up the results of lab testing on their herbicide and are willingly putting it out to market, knowing that it's dangerous. But that commercial is so good. (laughs) It is. That's a good moment. And so the main purpose for Ben's leap this week was to, one, put an end to this herbicide that is causing cancer, but also to get Connie back on the right track and get her career going again. She was a hotshot reporter in New York who lost her job for mysterious reasons, which we later learn she had a source kill themselves because she forced them into talking before they were ready 
And so yeah. this is a moment that has changed her life. And she kind of said, okay, well, I'm just going to do local news and do these types of stories about the giant pumpkin. And Ben is there to make sure that she fulfills her purpose. That's the theme for the entire episode. People finding their purpose. Yeah, it's definitely I, Addison's. Addison has an entire monologue about it. <laughs> yeah, about finding her purpose. That was the whole, she's been so reactionary and that she joined Quantum Leap for a purpose. They really harp on this being Connie's purpose to be a reporter and uncover truths. But they also mention Ben. He feels like he's out here doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. There's a moment where he decides, it makes me feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, and it's kind of ambiguous. Does he mean being a cameraman? <laughs> or does he mean <laughs> no. the leaping and doing To me, this rings work. very... To me, this rings very finale-esque. Hmm. Interesting. Elaborate. I feel like these kinds of conversations about everybody finding their role, finding their purpose in life, these are finality concepts. Mm-hmm. Hey, if we don't get a season three, we're at a place where you'll know that Ben's out there doing what he wanted to be doing, and everybody's finding their purpose. It really does seem like we can leave it here if we have to. Yes. You know? That's a really good point. I do fully expect the Hannah storyline to completely wrap up in the next episodes. Yeah, which is unfortunate you know. for me. Oh, maybe. I mean, they may knock that out of the park. Maybe. I still have high hopes for the Hannah stuff because I have been such a fan of it so far. Yeah. I just want her to be in the next episode. Like, it's a disappointment that she's not in this episode, you know? She's definitely back. The one difference watching Quantum Leap Live versus watching it on Peacock is that the preview for the next episode plays over the credits. And Hannah... I think I might have seen it on YouTube. He's a race car driver, right? Is he? I thought he was a firefighter. There's two oh, episodes, though. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a NASCAR guy. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. There are two episodes, technically, though. It's two-hour finale. Yeah. And each one will be a different leap. So we may not see Hannah until the last part of it. I don't know how it's all going to play out. I just know that Hannah will be back Yeah. In, in this upcoming week's episode. They will need to tie that up. Well, I did want to mention the newsroom's chief. Oh, Davidson. <laughs> I love that guy. Davidson is the best. Davidson, his intro coming in, you know, Ben is all bloodied because he got <laughs> fucking pistol whipped <laughs> in a parking deck. And he's like, how'd you get all bloody? Who was it, Ben or Connie? One of the two no, of them. Connie he, speaks for him the whole time. Like he hit his head on a pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Davidson is like, huh. <laughs> Well, he knows they're up to something, you know? The whole like, time. This personality was just somehow came through as like a guy that just doesn't really care, but does. Yeah, he's like... And then like, he comes off as kind of a rube, but also not. It's really fascinating what he's so able he's, to do. So Because he's not like... Here's the thing. He's not a Perry White. He's certainly not a J. Jonah Jameson. He reminds me of, like, Robbie Robertson, who was the newsroom chief at the Daily Bugle for Spider-Man, who worked right under J.J. Oh, right, okay. But on tranquilizers. I was going to say, because that He's guy's... like Robbie Robertson on tranks. That's what you get with Davidson. He's just this mellow, kind of like, what <laughs> kind of person. 
Yeah. He's great. He's so great. Yeah. And then my favorite part, as I alluded to earlier, and I missed this the first time, but the imaging chamber alarm. Mm-hmm. So Addison's having this heart-to-heart with Tom, who's back from Washington, to seemingly fire someone. But she's like, oh, this is a bad time to talk. This is going on, and that's going on, and Ben needs me. And he's like, I'm not really here to talk (laughs) to you. But evidently, the imaging chamber has some manner of alarm that goes off. (laughs) She goes, Ben needs me. And like looks at the thing and looks back, and she's like, I can't talk. Ben needs me. And she goes into the imaging chamber, and he's asleep. Right. <laughs> what was the alarm for? Maybe she has like a panic button on her phone, and she can hit it, and it sets the alarm off. And she was like, oh, like, oh, oh shoot, I gotta. Ben like, needs me, you know. <laughs> You're led to believe he's like in he's in some kind of trouble or something. Ben really needs me. No, maybe. He- he had a caffeine crash. He fucking Maybe fell asleep needed... on the floor. <laughs> Maybe he needed her to wake him up. The percentage chances that he achieved his leap goal were dropping precipitously because he was asleep. I don't know. I, that that's just, great. When I noticed that, it just made me laugh. Yeah, what, that's what was that? What was that alarm for except to break up that conversation? Right. That was the only reason. Plot convenience. She pops in there and he's just sleeping. <laughs> I will tell you, one of my favorite things this week also refers to the just general technology of Quantum Leap. Uh One of the ways this story is resolved is that Connie interviews Chet while Mm -hmm. Ben breaks into Chet's office to retrieve a memo that is the smoking gun that they need to prove everything. That's right. And while he's in there breaking a safe open, which is one of the two or three clever uses of Jen this season tell him how to break into the safe and it was really just a crappy safe that all you had to do was hit (laughs) yeah that was entirely set up so that they could say jen what would we do without you exactly (laughs) that that was all that was for ziggy could have just seen that on her exactly handling yeah so while ben is breaking into this safe a security guard shows up behind him and it's the guy who had the ski mask on in the parking deck ben recognizes what his breath i can't remember his voice and his gun that's it the voice and the gun which this time is loaded and he will not need to pistol whip him he will just shoot him although to be fair he was breaking into a personal safe that's true but this is the thing i like ben threatens this guard i have something more dangerous than a gun and addison starts feeding ben information about this guy, Wyatt Lee Smith, that Ben can then regurgitate to make it seem like Ben knows everything about him, from his full name to what his mother is doing. That's right. And nowhere in between. Those were the two bits of information (laughs) that they knew about Wyatt Lee Smith, his full name, and his mom plays backgammon. Which is really funny because or she was in like, or whatever it wasn't was. she like in the paper or something? They had like a record of her winning She's a tournament like or something? A bridge club. Those are the two things. Anyway. It's just enough, but it is just enough. I feel enough like I could throw... go on the internet and find more about Wyatt Lee Smith 
<laughs> on my own. Probably. <laughs> but it's just enough to throw old Wyatt off his game. And Yeah, uh, no, it is It is I, clever. It's I just do think funny. that's a good use of Ziggy and future info oh, offensively. For sure. Like, to use it as an offensive weapon during a leap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's fun. I, I like that idea. It was. It's just funny that those are the two things. She's She's like... Information on this yeah. guy is pretty sparse, think, but his mom funny. plays backgammon. <laughs> right. I think it's funny, but the show's in on the joke. This is kind of absurd, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I like that. But yeah, like, Connie is able to just immediately turn on a dime with Chet during the interview. Starts laying into him over the Herbicare. Do you Herbicare that your product gave his wife lung cancer? Now that I know that the screenwriter was an actual journalist... One of the questions I had about this, first, why the hell would this guy agree to this interview when he knows that her producer was digging around in his past? Following this very story, he knew about it. Right. In fact, when Ben shows up with the memo, Chet looks at him and says, it's you. And Ben says, it's always me. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> In-universe context, that makes no sense. No. Why would you say that? If you were Connie, I'd look at him like, what, what are you, is that what supposed to be cool? What are you talking about? But No, no, if you were Davidson, because Davidson's David. there too. <laughs> Davidson should have just rolled his eyes and shook his head. Something like that. But in the greater sense, that's another point of Ben admitting to himself that he's a leaper. That's what he does. Yeah. This is me now, right? Yep. It's always me. I'm doing what I should be doing. That's what that line was supposed to mean. And I mean, that's a pretty big deal, I feel like. Yeah. But with regards to the screenwriter and journalism, I really questioned whether you could just use evidence that you clearly stole. <laughs> Are you allowed to just break into a place and steal a memo? You definitely can't and then use that read in it court. on the air. <laughs> Yeah. There are legal channels that must be followed to do this sort of thing. Yeah, they'd have to get locked up, right? You can't do that. I think maybe you could argue that Robbie provided it to them. Robbie's the one that pointed he them towards the He told them where it safe. was. Yeah. And gave them the key card. Robbie has a vested interest in bringing this down, even if it means going to jail himself, which it ultimately does. Right. Like, he's implicated in this, too. Right. right. But he gets a far worse sentence working for the EPA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That seemed fishy to me, and it felt like TV answer. It feels like fan fiction when you wish you could skirt the rules. Yeah. Yeah. This show is bad about that sometimes. I am curious about where the story came from, how it was conceived, and why it was conceived. And whether it was conceived for Quantum Leap or co-opted into a Quantum Leap episode, because it was just this Aaron Brockovich style story mm -hmm. that this journalist kind of dreamed up and Quantum Leap just ended up being the right vessel for it. I, I wonder. I'm curious I about that. I don't know. That. It feels akin to last week's episode in that it's co-opting something we've seen before. I mean, this is basically Aaron Brockovich. Yes, if it was this journalist dreaming up their great story, I think it's probably best that it be boiled down to 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought this episode was pretty good overall. It does what a lot of the mid to 
high average episodes of the show do in that it's a fairly pedestrian story elevated by the performances in it. And again, I'm really singling out Davidson. <laughs> uh, He's good. Davidson may be <laughs> the character I pick for like MVP this season. Wow. He may outpace Addison, Ian, all of them. Like none of them stand a chance. It's <laughs> I Davidson. I did enjoy now. him. I, I did I enjoy that character. Now, if Hannah's really done, give me more Davidson. Make make him the character. <laughs> We're never seeing this guy again, folks. Yeah. I, I just got to come to terms with that. But, no, um, but I think that's probably for the best. Robbie is really funny. He's this sort of neurotic weirdo. <laughs> Chet is yeah. weaselly and, you know. I, yeah, the, the good part about that commercial you mentioned is he introduces his brother and he steps up to say something, yeah. but is cut off immediately. Great stuff. That commercial makes the whole episode for me. Like It really is very good, yeah. If I were to slice that commercial out, of the episode and just have that sitting there as part of this season of quantum leap, it would be maybe my second or third favorite episode of the season. Just, just the, the commercial. commercial. <laughs> okay. If you don't like the name, please don't tell us because we've already printed up our labels. Just the commercial would be my yeah. third favorite episode of quantum leap this year. But as it is, I think it's a perfectly fine middle of the road episode, which makes it a real breath of fresh air coming out of last week. Yeah. It's definitely better than last week, but I think this is like lower mid to me. I think that the 2026 stuff, the fact that Gideon is dispensed with so quickly, as much as we wanted that, all it does is frustrate you with why did we do it at all? Yes. Yeah. So that has to knock it down a peg for me. Addison and Ben headed back towards a relationship, as it seems. That knocks it down a peg for me. The frustrating sides of things. In fact, one thing I didn't mention, when Magic sends Ian home, as we talked about earlier, Jen comes storming in like, how dare you? I Hey, right. I know that you're angry, but... And I got so mad. I got so mad at her. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You have no standing here whatsoever to come in and be mad at magic and i'm so glad that he shut that shit down yes because i don't like that character i don't yes. like her. i can't <laughs> i cannot and that is just an illustration of how infuriating she can be i don't think nan risa lee is that great but i don't necessarily blame her for that because who writes that like why would that character in that moment have any reason to think that they could walk in there and stand up for ian as though ian had done nothing wrong it's like, like writing wow a... boy you were really too hard on them yeah it's like, like writing a character like dwight schrute but not for laughs is just irritating and the safe thing where she's doing basically internet research on what kind of safe it was right hey, we got to throw something in there so that we know that she's valuable to the team. We have to show her working. <laughs> yeah, because magic is going to fall on his sword because she's so important and that Quantum Leap can't exist without her, as he mentioned. And we've got to illustrate that to people because yeah, we haven't done it all season long. We're told that an awful lot. <laughs> and yeah. it was so awful. That's why I was honestly hoping that maybe, maybe we were... Letting somebody go here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but uh, wrong person. Wrong person got fired. Well, actually, the right person and then two more should have been fired as well. Yeah, I mean, the whole team should have been disbanded, to be honest, with the exception of maybe Addison. Yeah, I think Addison's I mean, she's in the clear on this for sure, but at the same time, she's also working in a position where she has a conflict of interest. Uh, Yeah. I can't work for my wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. We met at a workplace and we had to disclose uh, relationships to the manager. And they were like, well, I guess that's okay because you guys work in different departments. Addison and Ben do not work in different departments. No. (laughs) (laughs) They work in the same department. Yeah, yeah. Feel like it's a little bit of a disappointment well hey look you know, you know what i don't think is a disappointment the fact that we've gotten this quantum chip storyline out of the way going into the finale hopefully uh, so if we had to for whatever reason spend an episode both figuring out who gideon ridge was and then completely getting rid of him and resolving the storyline in a way that left us wondering why we ever came here to begin with well at least they've got it out of the way <laughs> Yeah, but you're supposed to tie them in together to make it worthwhile. Like, why the fuck isn't it Jeffrey? Like, why is it not Jeffrey? I I hope we're eating crow in a week. That's all I can say. I hope that something Well, we said that last week. I was hoping I'd sit here eating my words, but I'm not really. No, not really. Uh, But two more episodes remain, a two-hour finale next week. And then it's going to be a long haul. Yeah. After that? Who knows what awaits us after that? We really don't know what comes next. Fair. As we wait for the show to get renewed. But we got plenty to talk about between now and then, and we'll start next week with the uh, the two-hour season finale and find out exactly what happens to Hannah. I feel like I'm going to (laughs) get emotional. And the rest of the team. (laughs) Uh, We just care about (laughs) Hannah. Folks, uh, remember to subscribe to the feed so you never miss an episode Be sure to review the show and tell all your Quantum Leap-loving buddies about it. Check us out on YouTube in an audio format there. And like, comment, and subscribe there as well. Check us out, and you know the website. QuantumLeap-AlicePlace.com Yeah, there you go. The message boards there are alive and kicking again, and you can find new episodes there. You can reach out to us directly at oboyqlpod at gmail.com. Look for us on social media. I'm... C-A-P-T-N-B-E-R-N on Blue Sky and Brian.Lee.Martin on Instagram and Threads. And I am at Action Nate on both Blue Sky and Threads. And folks, that'll do it for us this week. Till next time, I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And we'll be here in the waiting room. With coffee in the waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> you That's can right. have you can have coffee in the waiting room.